All right, so let's go ahead. We're going to jump into our message. We started a brand new series last week uh, entitled Always Choose Joy. We're going to be taking the next several weeks to kind of travel through and journey through the book of Philippians. Last week, we kind of, kind of started the series off. I gave a really short, um, you know, kind of explanation of the book and some, the, the author and the people and things like that. And we kind of read basically 1 Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Um, today, we're going to continue on in that. And I want to encourage you kind of before I get started, I, I couldn't remember if I said this last week kind of a thing. I say a lot of things when I'm up here. If you haven't noticed. Um, And so if I forgot to say this, I'm sorry. You know, maybe I did. And you're like, you know, you're like, boy, he's got a horrible memory or at least he's losing it. Um, But if you if I didn't, I want to say it this week. Each week, we're going to really take a section. okay? And, and what I'd like you to do is, is, as we are doing this, you'll get the section as you come on Sunday, or you can get the section Saturday if you get the, the email and you get the notes. Um, but we're really breaking this down. And as I, I know I said this last week, we're going to read every word of Philippians together during this series. Um, but we kind of break it down into kind of some, some bite-sized chunks every week. And what I'd like you to do is after we talk about the stuff, on the, the Sunday, I would really appreciate it, and I really think this is, it would be a good thing for all of us to do, is whatever chunk we talk about, every day, a part of your quiet time, every day, I don't want it to be all of your quiet time, because some of you are in something right now, and I don't want to disturb that, but I want you to read that section. Just read it. Go over it again. Like I said, we're going to break this down. Actually, today, just so you know, today is the longest section that we're going to break up. But, so it may take you a little bit longer to read, not a lot. But I would really think it would be important that as, as we do this, as, as, as I am seeing things that God is revealing to me about the passage, that this would be an unbelievable opportunity for God to speak to you as well in that, okay? And so every day, starting today, or starting if you, maybe if you've done your, your quiet time, actually, starting Monday, because you won't get the new stuff until next week, starting tomorrow... Read, basically, we're going to be in first, or Philippians 1, 12 through 30. Just read it. Let, let God's word kind of wash over you. Say, Father, what, what, can, what do you want to show me? What do you want to reveal to me from your word as far as this section of scripture? Because I believe that God wants to help us and train us to understand that his word is alive and it is active And that means that in a lot of ways, God's going to speak to you through his word in different seasons of your life, in different, with different things in your life. You could read this now and in 10 years, read it again. And God is going to pull something completely different out of it for you through his Holy Spirit, because he loves you enough to say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to help you see something today that will help you today. And then 10 years from now, so on and so forth. Got it? So I ask you, I would ask you that every day that you just read this section of scripture that we're going to go over and let the Lord speak to you. Let it be a training time. Let it be something that takes place in your heart and your life to help you grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's word. Okay, so here we go. Last week we talked about this. We kind of our, our, our verse, which is kind of weird. I know it is. I, I get it. it. It is very weird. Um, but we're actually, kind of our theme verse for the series isn't even in Philippians. Uh, because there's a lot in Philippians, we talked about it last week, about joy and about joyful and rejoice. But really the one we've been looking at is 1 Thessalonians 5.16, because it just really fits. It just says, always be joyful. Now, this morning what we're going to be talking about is, is going to be 
something I want to invite you to, to, to journey with me on, okay? And as, as I was putting this together, um, you know, there's a lot of times that as God is speaking to me about the message and about these sort of things, um, he also speaks about, and this may sound weird, but, but how, how you as the listener, how you as, as, how he wants to speak to you, how you can respond to this in the greatest way. Okay, he doesn't do it all the time, but he did this week. And so I want to share this with you so that as we move into this together, I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to really do some things in our hearts and lives. But to do that, I think what God has really said to me, really the word he gave to me this week is the word honesty. Okay? You're going to have to be honest with yourself today. Okay? It, it doesn't do you a lick of good to lie to yourself to try to fool yourself. And then that honesty word applies to me too. And so I want to share some things that, that are honest from my heart, but I also want to be able for you to be honest with your heart as well, because I believe God really wants to do some special things in our hearts, but if we won't acknowledge things, that we really put up a, a, a hindrance and a block to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do, okay? So let's remember that this morning as we go through this. That's, I, I don't mean to scare you. I don't mean to be like, oh, man, what is this all about? Um, but I just want you to understand that honesty this morning is really important, to be honest before God and to be honest with yourself. Because when we talk about joy and we talk about these things and the things that Paul was dealing with, um, Paul is a great guy in a lot of ways, but Paul was really just a straight shooter. I mean, he would share things that were like, quite honestly, like, I'll be honest, like, in my college days, like, I had professors that would basically say, never do what Paul just did, and yet it's in Scripture, you know, it's like, uh, I think this is okay, you know, but at the same time, it, it was, it was a, a vulnerability that Paul shared with his readers that we don't see that very much in, in our world today, and I think it's important that we understand that that's that's okay to do. It's okay to allow to be vulnerable in front of our Father and then also to be vulnerable in front of each other. Um, but here's the thing, and we kind of talked about this last week is before we jump right in uh, to Philippians 1, 12 through, through 30. We, we have to remember, and we kind of talked about it, like I said last week, is, is joy is a choice. Um, you know, we talked about it, how the feeling of joy, we talked about it this last week, it is an emotion. But the foundation of joy starts with a choice. You can choose joy by choosing Jesus, okay? You can choose joy by choosing Jesus. But here's the deal. Here's, here's where we're going to start to be real honest and real open. That's hard, okay? Because life is hard. Because sometimes life just sticks. Yeah, Aaron, how can you say that? Because I experience life sometimes it's hard. And I, I, I've just never wanted to be a pastor who would stand in front of people and basically act like it isn't. It's hard. There's seasons in our lives that are difficult. Jesus went through hard moments and hard times. He dealt with betrayal. He dealt with hurt. He dealt with, with, with rejection. He dealt with all these things from people that were very close to him and people that were not very close to him. But life was hard for Jesus, and it's hard for us today. And I understand that sometimes you got this guy standing on a platform saying, hey, choose to choose joy, choose Jesus. And sometimes we sit there in our honest little minds, we go, yeah, right. Give me a break, Aaron. Come on. 
Do you know what I've gone through this week? And you say, choose joy, and just like, And here's the deal. Scripture says to always be joyful. So yeah, I do say, choose joy. And we choose joy by choosing Jesus. We don't allow the emotion of joy, which is kind of basically happiness, to be our goal. Instead, we focus in on Jesus. We choose him, and we allow that to be the source of our joy. But the thing is, that's hard sometimes too. And Paul dealt with those things. Paul, remember, as we talked about last week, he is in in house arrest. He has been chained to a guard. Things are not going well. But at the same time, Paul chooses Jesus and therefore chooses joy. But he doesn't do it in a way that's basically like, hey, everything's fine. Everything's unicorns and rainbows and sunshine. He's real. And I think that when we can be real to God and to others... And still choose joy. Listen, I believe that's what changes churches, families, communities, and worlds. Because you know what? When everything's going great and everything's awesome and the bank account's full and the marriage is perfect and the kids are obedient and man, you just got the brand new car and all those things. Hey, be joyful. It's easy. But when everything is falling apart and you still choose joy, that's when people go, now wait just a cotton-picking minute. What's going on? How can you do that? It's what changes things. It's one of the reasons I believe that we are studying this book right now. Because I'm not foolish. I'm not silly. I don't live in a bubble. I know how hard life is. I know how hard life is for some of you right now. But at the same time, I go, we can still choose joy. We can still choose Jesus. We can still allow him to come and be the source of those things, just like Paul was able to do. We're going to be in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 30. Before we get there, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we ask that you just be a part of everything that's said, everything that's done. You just continue to do that. But God, also, that you would help us to be open and honest First and foremost with you, second with ourselves, and then and only then with special people that you have placed in our lives to be open and honest with them. So that God, that that you can do in us what you desire to do. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at this together. Our section, again, this is the longest section, so we have a little bit to read, but just stay with me. Philippians 1, starting with verse number 12, we'll go all the way to verse number 30. It says, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, and just so you know, we're going to break this down even more so, but I want, like I said, we're going to read every verse together, every word together, okay? Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, remember, he's in chains, he's in prison, not good stuff, okay? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. For Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, 
supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Again, yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or hear only about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without you being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. A couple more verses. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. In those scriptures, Paul really begins to open up his heart a little bit. He's already kind of welcomed the, 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 the audience. He's kind of talked a little bit. We kind of looked at some of those things last week. And, and, and now he's kind of begun to kind of open up his heart. He's begun to kind of say, you know what? There are some things that are taking place right now that are not easy, that are not fun, that are, that are hard. But yet somehow Paul chooses to look past those things and instead look to something greater. He instead looks to his Jesus and therefore he looks to the joy to where he can literally say, I rejoice. He says, and again, I will rejoice. It's a powerful statement. It's a powerful section of Scripture because in that we really see three obstacles that Paul faces that could derail his choosing of Jesus and joy. There are things that he shares and he's like, listen, man, these are hard things I'm dealing with. But at the same time, he still chooses Jesus. Now, here's the deal. If it was all about the situations and the circumstances, he would have no shot. He would focus on these things and only these things, and he would basically have what we kind of talked about last week, which he didn't have, which is a pity party. But instead, he chooses Jesus in joy. We're going to look at these together this morning. We're going to look at some of these, these obstacles that Paul faced that could have kept him. And here's the deal. Whether you, know, you, you may go, man, I, I relate to one or two or three or whatever it might be. I think at times we all relate to some of these. 
in one way or another. The first obstacle that Paul faced, he calls basically his chains. His chains. Look at me. Again, we're going to break it down. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, I want you to hold on to that. Put your finger, if you had your Bible open or you got your, your, uh, your, your phone out, I want you to take your finger and I want you to put it over the word for. Hold it there. We're coming right back to it. Hold it there. For Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What do we, we talked about this a lot last week. We're not going to get too much this week. Paul is in under house arrest. He has been chained to a guard. He is in chains. He can't do what he wants and go where he wants. He is stuck where he is. And yet Paul says something very interesting. I asked you to keep your finger on the word for. Notice what he says here. Paul doesn't say I'm in chains because of Jesus. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says, I am in chains for Jesus. That's a major paradigm shift. That's a major perspective shift in what Paul's saying. Because a lot of us will say things like this. We'll say, oh, I'm, in, I, I'm dealing with this because of Jesus. Because of what he's done or because of these situations or because of the situation that I find myself in. Paul doesn't say that. Paul says something completely different. He says, listen, I am in chains for him. Like it's an honor. It's, it's a glory thing for Paul. It's like, man, I have been counted worthy enough to suffer for Jesus. Man, there's lots of scripture where we could pull out this morning. We don't have time, but we could pull out where Paul and others, Peter, write about suffering for Jesus. And I can tell you what, man, you want to talk about a sermon and a message that no one in our culture would like, it would basically be those things. Guess what? We get to suffer for Jesus. <laughs> nah. Uh-uh. When we suffer, when things don't go wrong, or with, excuse me, when things do go wrong, I'll tell you what. Open and honest, I don't say I'm suffering for Jesus. I'm suffering, I'm suffering because of Jesus. Let me give you an example. I'm treated poorly because I'm a pastor. I'm treated poorly at work because, because they know I'm a Christian. I, I, I'm, I'm treated poorly because, I, I've literally said this, as, as sad as this is, because I try so hard to put others first, and then they don't care about putting others first. They want themselves first. And so I get walked all over. I'm suffering because of Jesus. My perspective is messed up. And it steals my joy. It steals it. In a lot of ways, the things we're going to be talking about today are really joy thieves, if that makes sense. But here's what I've learned about joy thieves. They only can steal your joy if you give it to them. I remember when I was, uh, years ago, I mean, maybe some of you will remember this song. Just so you know, I didn't like it. Okay? Just, just completely open and honest, like in the late 90s. And everybody sang it. It was really exciting. And I was like, I don't like this song. <laughs> and it was, I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back what he stole from me. And I went, that's not biblical. The enemy steals things, yeah. But you know how the enemy steals things from a Christian? Here you go. Here you go. The enemy can't steal my joy because the enemy didn't give it to me. 
is not based in him. We'll get to that in a minute. You may have liked that song, Sorry If I Hurt Your Heart, but, you know, I just didn't like it. I get the whole point, but you know what I mean. I was like, no, wait, wait a minute. Like, joy thieves are not, they don't come in and we're sitting there defenseless. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. When we lose our joy, when we lose our peace, when we lose all those things that are given to us by Jesus, it's because we give them away. And Paul says, I'm not doing that. He says, I could, but I'm not doing that. And in fact, he takes it one step further. He says, not only am I in chains, not only do the palace guard know about this, but he's like, people are finding Jesus because I'm in chains. People are actually, like the gospel is actually moving forward because of this, which is amazing to me. Like Paul's just looking at this and going, listen, it's, it's not just the fact that basically I am choosing Jesus. It's not that just the fact that my perspective is where it needs to be. And in that way, I'm basically saying, you know what? I am going to allow this to take place in my heart and my life. He takes it one step further and he's like, listen, I'm suffering. I'm in chains. But you know what? The gospel's still moving forward. And he is excited about that. It makes his heart happy. Listen, it's in your notes. The chains that seem to impede his progress actually propel the gospel forward. So Paul's joy is connected with Jesus moving forward even though he can't move forward. Isn't that amazing? Like this is Paul's life. Man. Like, like Paul's passion is to share the gospel. He is a missionary. He goes on missionary journeys. He's excited and now he's kind of like a caged animal. He can't get out. He can't do what he wants to do. And he's like, you know what? It's okay. Even though I can't do it, it's still going forward. It's still moving forward. Paul also kind of shares that kind of mindset in 2 Timothy 2. In 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 10... This is what it says. He's writing to his, his young kind of protege, young pastor Timothy. And he says, always remember that Christ Jesus, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But listen to what he says. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And keep that verse up there for just a second. Anything. Paul is saying, I will go through anything. And he doesn't say, listen, he doesn't say, I'll go through anything if I get to share it. Or if good things come to me while I share it. He simply says, listen, my chains, if I'll, I'll, I'll suffer, I'll go through whatever it takes as long as Jesus is preached. If I'm acknowledged, fine. If someone else is acknowledged, fine. It doesn't matter. What matters the most is that Jesus is moving forward. Listen, can, can I just be honest with you? There's a lot of times and a lot of places that, that what's most important is not Jesus becoming famous. But, but somebody that stands behind one of these, well, I have a music stand, but, or, or, or the name on, on, a, on a church door. Let's just be honest. And, and, and we know that. 
Paul's goal, our goal here, is that Jesus is known. Period. Because Jesus is the only thing that can do, can save our hearts and our lives and our world. Not a church, not a pastor, Jesus. Jesus only. And Paul got that. And so he didn't let his chains pull him and steal his joy because instead he let his chains be something that he looked at as actually a benefit so others could step up. Next, the next thing that could steal his joy is his critics. His critics. Look at it again. First, Philippians 1, 15 through 19. He says, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry and others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me uh, while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? What does it matter? Isn't that interesting? What does it matter that they're stirring up trouble? What does it matter that they're, they're, they're saying things about me that are not true? The most important thing is that in every way, from whether false motives are true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Man, I don't know if you know this or not, Paul had some serious critics. Some out of the, you know, so like, like the ones that you would expect, and then some that, sad to say, we probably would expect but shouldn't. He dealt with critics in the church and out of the church. He dealt with critics that were Gentiles. He dealt with ge- uh, critics that were Jewish. He, deal, he dealt with that a lot. That's kind of one of the reasons why I like Philippians so much, because Philippians was one of those churches that actually were not critical of Paul. They were actually encouraging him and helping him and supporting him, both before prison and during prison. And so, but, but Paul always was dealing with all these things. You know what I found in these, and, and people are different, people experience joy and these things in different ways, but one of the things that steal our joy the most is criticism that we get from people. And Paul has this unbelievable response to this. He basically says, in, in our vernacular, he says, who cares? Now, remember I talked about hard things? Here's another one. Yeah, Aaron, I just won't care when people say something mean about me. Yeah, I don't think I could do that very well. Here's the secret to it, though. You can't just ask somebody, and Paul, I don't believe, is doing this either, to basically not care when you're criticized. How, I, I think the secret to this and what Paul understood is not to ignore or act like the criticism doesn't hurt, but to allow your focus to be on what matters. His, he, he didn't say, I don't care for no reason. He said, I don't care because Jesus is being preached. I don't care because something greater than my feelings is being affected. Something eternal is taking place that is going to change eternal destinies for people. And if that happens and that's taking place and somebody says something that hurts my feelings, you know what? I'll get over it. Is it hard? Yes, but it's a choice we have to make. Because I've seen it over and over and over again. I've had people come into my office over and over and over again. What's going on? Someone said something to me. And listen, I'm not trying to belittle that. We've talked about this. The power of the words have power. They hurt. But we have to be able to look at something greater. And for Paul, 
that was Jesus. For Paul, that was that his name would be made great. Jesus' name would be made great even if Paul's name became more and more dragged through the mud. That's hard. But he somehow was able to do that because he chose Jesus, because he knew what the source was of his joy. He did not allow the acceptance of people to be something greater than the acceptance of Jesus. It's in your notes. People didn't allow other people's acceptance to be the source of his joy. So they didn't, so because they didn't give the joy, they couldn't take it away. Again, I'm not saying that this is easy. I'm not saying that it's fun. Listen, if you, you find me somebody that's like, I love criticism. Yeah. They probably shouldn't be out and about in public, okay? It hurts. It hurts bad. Especially when it comes from people that you trust or that you love. And Paul dealt with that a lot. But you know what? So did Jesus. And Jesus chose joy. And Paul chose joy. And I think with God's help, we can choose joy. We can say, you know what? What's most important is Jesus and what he's doing. So first, what could steal his joy, obviously, was his chains and his critics. The final thing we're going to look at this morning is his crisis. His crisis. Philippians 1, 21 through 26. He says, a very known verse, and we're going we're gonna to look at this a little bit deeper in just a minute. It says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. He said, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. Do you hear the conflict in Paul? The crisis? Like Paul is sitting there, and listen, I, like, like he's going, mm-hmm. I'm chained to this smelly guard, you know. I've been beaten, I've been whipped, I've been shipwrecked. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean life, Paul's life was hard, folks. And I could get it. I can get Paul sitting there going, man, I want to go be Jesus. <laughs> like, I, I want to go and be with Jesus. And he's, he uses this interesting phrase that we've all heard before, this, this concept to, 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 to live as Christ and die as gain. What Paul is really saying there is he's basically saying, hey, man, if I go on living, it, it's a win. If I die, it's a win. He's looking at his life as a win-win proposition. Can I ask you a simple question? When was the last time in your life when things were going difficult that you really looked at your life and went, man, that's a win-win. If I go on living even through the midst of this hard moment, it's a win. If I die, it's a win. It's a great thing. Whichever God has for me, whenever God has for me, it's a win. But yet, you know what I found? A lot of us, as we know that verse, we look at it not in the positive like Paul does, we look at it in the negative. And so I want to do that together 
as you open your heart and are honest. In your notes, you'll see something that's different that we usually don't have. Now, usually we have the underlines and you fill in, you know, as they come up on the screen, blah, 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 blah. But in your notes, this is what it says. It says, for me to live is blank and to die is blank. And I want you to wonder and think, and, and even in your own notes, that you can hide if you need to, What's the negative versus the positive in that? Let me give you an example. For some of us, it's not for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. It's more for me to live is to experience fame or to be known, and to die is to be forgotten. Do you get what I mean? For some of us, to live is to have a lot of money, and to die is to not be able to take care of ourselves financially. What is your live and die for blanks filled with today? You see, Paul, he said, you know what? I live for Christ. I live for him, and if I die, I'll take it. It's still a good thing, but I've just found in my own life and most others, we don't live in that way. And in fact, we live in a way that basically shows what is somewhat at times most important to us. And listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. If anything in your blanks aren't God first and everything else second, you're going to have your joy stolen quickly. You're going to give it away quickly. I told you that as I was putting this together, God asked to be honest. He he said that word. It wouldn't be right for me to ask you to fill that in and not have filled it in myself. You know, for me, to live is to be recognized, to be successful, and to die is to be a failure. To feel like I didn't do a good enough job. And in my own life, the reason why this exercise is so important is because at least for me, the thing that I can give my joy away quickest for is that. And it doesn't like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, people are like, oh, does that mean Aaron like needs to hear he doesn't a good job? No, not necessarily. I mean, that's great and I like it. But this is me. This is Aaron feeling like he's successful or he did a good job. And when he doesn't, he dies inside because he feels like he failed. Sometimes we have to be really willing to examine our crisis before we can let Christ come and be our rescuer. I've found so many times and so many people, and I've been guilty of this just as much as anybody, where we'll go through weeks, months, sometimes years of our lives, not allowing God to heal us simply because we refuse to acknowledge the crisis. When God already knows the crisis, he's just saying, will you come to me? Will you let me be the thing you live for? Because here's what's so amazing about the economy of God and how he works. Because of Jesus, we literally can't have a win-win situation. Paul was in the midst of something difficult and hard, and yet he's like, listen, man, I live, it's good. I get to be with you. I get to be fruitful. I get to minister to you. And if I die, I get to go be with Jesus. Woo! 
Ooh. As he's chained to someone, as he's writing these words. How would you fill in your blanks? How would you fill in your blanks? Because if you'll do that and you'll be honest, first and foremost, I believe that God will heal you. God will work in your heart and work in your life to help that become something different. And second of all, you'll find really quickly that that's what over probably decades of your life has been what has more quickly taken your joy and run away with it. I want you to have joy. And this is a thief, just like the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So whatever your blanks are, and you go, wow, and that's, that's I, don't know, I don't know yet. Take your notes home, and this week, fill it out. Fill it out. And say, God, this is mine. Maybe, maybe you go, I need more than just, you know, I, need, I, got, I, need, I got five or six, and that's fine too. I probably do too. But fill it in. Because here's the thing. Paul understood some amazing things. Because even though he had chains, he had critics, he had a crisis, he still chose joy. He still allowed Christ to be the center and the source of his life. And look at this with me. Because of Paul's chains, Christ was known. Because of Paul's chains, Christ was known. Because of Paul's critics, Christ was preached. And because of Paul's crisis, Christ was magnified. God took all those things that could have been things that robbed Paul and took away things. He could have offered his joy to him and said, oh, but, oh I'm in these chains and all oh, this cry. I just, I want to be gone. I don't want to be here. All oh, the critics, oh, they're just so loud and so negative. All those things. And instead, Paul chose Jesus and chose joy. And he went and said, man, yeah, these chains aren't fun. This isn't great. I'm not a happy camper necessarily in this moment, but I still choose Jesus and I choose joy. And because of these chains, he's more known than he was before. Paul looks and says, you know what? There's some critics. There's some people that are doing things I don't agree with. Their motives are wrong. Their hearts are wrong. But you know what? That's okay. Even though they're talking bad about me, Christ is still being preached. People are still being saved because Paul understood that his, God's word doesn't come back void. And then he was in that crisis that he was torn in a lot of ways. If you understand this, it's like he's torn between his eternal and the temporal. He's like, oh man, I want to be with Jesus, but, but I need to be here. And he's just, what do I what do? I do? What do I, how do I handle that? And because of that, Christ was magnified. And people could see him in a greater way. Not Paul, but Jesus. So with all that, I have a question that I believe God needs us to answer together this morning. And it's simply this. What if your disappointments are really your developing assignments? What if your chains, your critics, and your crisis are actually what God is using 
to make an impact in your world? What if by choosing Jesus and choosing joy, those things that the enemy meant for harm, God turns around and uses for good, like he promised he would? You see, Paul understood Scripture. He knew that that promise was good and yes and amen. He knew that his situations and his circumstances did not affect the promises of God. And so he said, you know what? I'll be joyful. He said, I'll rejoice. He said, again, I will rejoice. Just to knock it home. Say, you know what? Even though these things are hard for me, even though these things aren't fun for me, Jesus is being known. Jesus is being magnified. And people are having their destinies, eternal destinies, changed because of it. To have that type of joy and to choose Jesus means also that you have to not choose yourself. We're all going to experience disappointments. Jesus didn't come and say, hey, listen, you follow me and life's going to be a, 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 a walk in the park. He said the opposite. He said things are going to be hard. There's going to be things that happen in our hearts and our lives that are disappointing that we don't get. But God in his infinite goodness and in his infinite grace in his understanding that he works out all things for good. What if your greatest disappointment God was actually going to use to develop you to make you have your greatest triumph for him. You think about scripture and you think about all these men and women that were used. Moses couldn't speak. David was a shepherd. Rahab was a prostitute. Peter was a loudmouth fisherman. Paul persecuted the church and was a stuck-up Pharisee. And yet God said, you know what? I'm going to use you anyway. Because they chose Jesus. They didn't choose to focus on their disappointments. They didn't choose to focus on their failings. They chose to allow those things to be even used by God to develop them into the world changers they became. I will say this, and I believe this very strongly. There are people that one day will be in glory and will be heartbroken in a lot of ways because they'll find out that if they had just chose Jesus, if they had just chose joy, and I'm not talking about salvation, but they had chose those things over their disappointments and over their heartaches, the impact that they would have had would have been just crazy. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for you. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Because joy is a lot better than misery. But it's hard. We need Jesus to help us. We need him to be the source of our hearts and our lives. And I know it's hard. And I know it's so easy to allow chains and criticism and crises and, and all number of other things to keep us from this. But at the same time, we choose Jesus 
and we choose joy. And there are times where that's easy and there's times where that's, without God's help, it's probably near impossible. But God's with us and God will help us. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's close. Father, we come to you right now. And God, we come openly and honestly, life's hard. There are times in our hearts and in our lives where things just fall apart. We don't understand why or what's going on. We deal with chains and criticism and crisis and problems and situations and heartache and, I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. And sometimes, Father, we will believe the lie that says because of all those situations, how I, I could never be joyful. I could never really live a life of joy. And Jesus, in those moments, we, we need to run to you because you are the source of our joy. You are joy. You're the source of it in our hearts and in our lives, not anything else. And so, as we talked about last week, joy is available. It is available, but it's only found in Jesus. It's not found in what we do. It's not found in how perfect or imperfect we are. It's not found in another person. It's not found in a thing. It's not found in a pleasurable experience. It is only found in you. And when we allow you to be that source and the thing that we focus in on, we can be like Paul, even though he was dealing with heartaches and frustrations and being unable to do the things he wanted to do, he could still say, I rejoice. And God, you can help us to do the same. And I believe because Paul chose you and chose joy, we're reading a letter that he wrote 2,000 years ago that has continuously changed the hearts and the lives of man and brought them back to you. That's the power of choosing Jesus, folks. That's the power of choosing joy. Because when God gets a hold of us, there is no telling what he may do. So Father, if we're dealing with things right now that are hard, God, I don't believe you ask us to, to, to act like everything's fine and be fake and phony. There's hard moments and there's hard times. But for me and for each of us, Allow us to choose you. And when we choose you, the joy will come. And as it says in Scripture, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And we can allow, even though we're going through hard moments, even though we're going through difficult times, we can allow those disappointments to actually develop us and to grow more in you. Help us to do that. Help me to do that. We love you and we thank you.
and we look to you in these areas and in these ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So listen, do me a favor, okay? This week, read every day Philippians 12 through 30, okay? Take your notes home, fill out your blanks, and let God speak to your heart and let his joy just come and overwhelm every disappointment, every chain, every crisis, and every criticism. Because he is that big, he is that strong, he is that loving, he's got you. Okay? Cool. Listen, again, thank you for all of the food that you've brought. Continue to bring some if you haven't. For those that have, thank you so much. Remember, next week's a very important week. Be here uh, as we welcome our candidate, and uh, I'm really excited to have you meet him, and I hope it's going to go really, really well. And then Jason's Deli, so I mean, hey, win-win, right? Awesome. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.